Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And my prayer this morning, Father, is that every one of us can say that we have found it. Father, would you bless the opening and preaching of your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use the Black Pew Bible there. It's page 1078. You may be wondering why are we going to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, because we have been in the Minor Prophets for a long time. Well, with the holidays approaching, we're going to take a little break from the Minor Prophets. Thanksgiving has snuck up on us, has it not? It's already Thanksgiving week, and today is November the 18th, and it's already Thanksgiving week. We have an early Thanksgiving this year, and so I wanted to speak to Thanksgiving. There's a conversation that goes on these days that says that Thanksgiving gets overlooked because you all already have your Christmas decorations out and going, and many people are already looking forward to Christmas, and we forget Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not, I don't really worry about that too much. I like all the holidays, but I do want us to be a thankful people. The passage that Josh Womble read just a little bit ago was from Jonah chapter 2. Hopefully you remembered that because we preached from that book uh, several or just a few weeks ago. But at the end of Jonah chapter 2, you have this desperate prayer from the belly of the big fish. Obviously, he is desperate. And Jonah says that he cried out to God with thanksgiving. There's our word, thanksgiving. He said, salvation belongs to the Lord. There is a clear teaching and application throughout the whole Bible that those who have come to know the Lord Jesus are thankful. They are grateful. This is not just people who know how to say thank you. This is people who deep down inside of them have a gratefulness about them, have an appreciation, have a thankfulness have a humility to who they are. Their inside as well as their outside. Their words as well as their feelings are grateful, are thankful. You ever been in that season of parenting where you're trying to teach your kids to say thank you? Where you are uh, showing them that when somebody gives them something, they should say thank you. Actually, they should look them in the eye, they should make eye contact, and they should say with great sincerity, thank you. Whether that be a gift, or whether that be somebody helping you out, or really whatever it is, children need to learn to be thankful. And one of the ways that we teach them that is to make eye contact and to say thank you. I hope that all of us in this room involved in parenting are working on that right now. May we always be working on that, right? But don't we know that them just saying thank you is not what we're wanting? Don't you know that? Don't you want them to be thankful? Don't you want them to understand and have a humility about them? Don't you want them to be grateful, appreciative, and thankful so that you don't have to tell them to be thank you, or to say thank you, so that they don't have to remember this duty to say thank you, but so that they are thankful and they always flow naturally with thanksgiving. This is the New Testament's teaching on Christianity. 
For those who have come to know Jesus, they are thankful. There is thanksgiving. There is a gratefulness. I want to show you here today from the book of Ephesians in one little verse that this is what should be there. Now, in our passage today in Ephesians 5, Paul hits really hard to the church on what thanksgiving replaces. So often when there is not thanksgiving, something else gets in the way, like being ungrateful, but it gets detailed on what that ungrateful attitude looks like, rather an ugly attitude, and we're going to see that too. Read with me, if you will, Ephesians chapter 5, one verse, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Does everybody see this? Let there be thanksgiving. There's a phrase here that we're going to look at a lot today that says, which are out of place. It doesn't fit there. Our kids were working on Christmas lists the other day, and you know, it's common to tell people to do Christmas lists, but it's really, really a bad idea because the line, the, the, the list is so long, it's so not realistic, right? There's all sorts of things on there. There's computers and iPads and games and toys and so much stuff on there that it's almost like it works against you, right? And one of our kids brought their Christmas list to us, and there was nothing on it but, like, all these different Lego sets. And I said, you don't want anything other than Legos? They said, like what? I said, what about a puzzle? Aren't puzzles fun to do? I do like doing puzzles. Have you ever done a puzzle with a kid? They're fun, especially fun with little kids. You get those little big, hardened, wooden block pieces, and you're trying to teach a kid to do that. And you ever noticed how it'll be the shape of a horse, like that big, and they'll try to stick the little sheep on there? Or, or the little sheep spot will be like that big, and they'll try to stick the big cow on there? And I'll say, it doesn't go there. And the kids will say, how do you know? How do you know it doesn't go there? I say, well, it's bigger, it's not shaped the same. And then you say, it doesn't fit there. That doesn't fit there. The New Testament says, Paul writes to a church and says, this attitude, this haughty, prideful, arrogant, ugly talk, demeanor, character, it doesn't fit there. That's not Christianity. That's not honoring to God. Chapter 5, verse 4 says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead... Let there be thanksgiving. Are you thankful? Is there gratitude, gratefulness? Is your attitude changed by your thanksgiving? 
Have you focused on the Lord? Has the Lord's love overwhelmed you? Have you found redemption in the blood of Christ? And though you may be dying, you'll always be alive with a thankful heart. Has God done that to you? Today, I want to speak toward this from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. I've heard one man say that if a fellow is not thankful for what he's got, he is not likely to be thankful for what he's going to get. You've heard that before. Are you thankful? Does Christ have your heart? Well, the book of Ephesians is a really, really good, strong New Testament letter. It's six chapters long, and it's basically split in half, with the first three chapters being all about theology, deep stuff about how God is saving us, and the last three chapters, four through six, very practical. Our former pastor, Josh Powell, taught us that one through three is the theology, and four through six is the duology, what he wants you to do. Josh had a gift for helping big things be simply understood. And it's here in the chapters 4 through 6 that is explaining to us how we ought to live based off of what Jesus has done. And while it wants to emphasize thanksgiving in the life of the believer, a thankful attitude that has so overwhelmed us or come over us, it first begins with what doesn't belong there, what doesn't fit in our lives, what is out of place. Now, before we go any further, may we all admit that we all struggle with this, right? This is a subject that we need to deal with, but we need to hear what the Bible says. All of us have things in our lives that are out of place. We need to remove those. We're like the toddler trying to fit the clearly, glaringly obvious, huge puzzle piece in a spot where it does not fit. There are things in our lives that are out of place, and it is not for the glory of God. If I could preach another sermon on this, I would love for us to think deeper about how much it is hurting our witness. I wonder how many people in my life don't want to be around God or Jesus or church because of something out of place in my life. I wonder how many people on my street or in our neighborhood or at our schools that are turned off to God because there are things that are out of place. Clearly, that's not of God. And that would be a great sermon for us to look at. But that's not today's message. Today's message is strictly thanksgiving belongs in the life of the believer, but before we can have that, there are some other things there that are out of place that must be removed. So if you want to have a good thanksgiving this Thursday, and by that I don't mean saying thank you, by that I mean if you want to be thankful this Thursday, may we first examine that which needs to be removed. He really does give Three things that don't belong. Filthiness, foolish talk, nor crude joking. Filthy seems to describe that which is really dirty, really bad. Things that shouldn't be said. The other night, Val and I pulled into the Krispy Kreme drive-thru. We love Krispy Kreme donuts. I think I can eat a whole dozen. We like them that much. We pulled up to the Krispy Kreme drive-thru at night. The sign wasn't on, but that didn't stop us. And this is a true story. 
the person working the drive-thru had the mouthpiece on and they didn't know it. We sat there for a good five minutes as it was F this, F that, I'll bust you in the mouth, you MFer. We just sat there kind of laughing, kind of taken back, kind of like, oh man. And so finally, I said, excuse me, are you there? And they went, oh yeah, thank you so much for being at Krispy Kreme, how can we help you? What can I get you? And I thought to myself, these two things don't go together. Customer service and filthiness are really far apart. And so Paul writes to the church, living for Jesus and filthiness are really fall apart, really far apart. Then he says, foolish talk. Now the Bible does warn us against being foolish. Foolish is a strong word in the Bible. It speaks to somebody whose life doesn't believe in God. The fool says in his heart, according to the Psalms, there is no God. And the person that does not believe in God, as you know, can talk however they want to, for it doesn't matter. They can say whatever they want to, lie wherever they want to, boast however they want to. They can run themselves into a hole and not even worry about it. They talk like a fool because they are a fool. It's foolish talking, but the believers in God are so far from being a loose cannon with our mouths, believers are to be those who, by the Holy Spirit, have found our tongues to be tamed. We're not foolish with our speak. We have it under control. The controlling power of the Holy Spirit has caused us to get rid of foolish talk. And then the third is crude joking. Everybody thinks that joking is okay because we don't really mean something by it. But joking can hurt, especially crude joking can hurt. It can cause damage. It doesn't fit. These three things that are all coming from our mouths are out of place, according to Paul writing to the Ephesians. And if you've read the Bible a lot, you'll know where I'm going now. If you haven't, then I want to really expand on this. This is not something new for the Bible. Why it is so... uh, troubling among church people and Christians these days. I don't know, but this is very, very common in the Bible. If you really wanted to think about it, the two big uh, problems that we see discussed throughout the whole Bible would be our mouths and our sexuality. Sexual immorality and speech are just two areas that can pretty much address all of us. Let me share a few passages with you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Put it away. Or just a few verses up here in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, none, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that may give grace to those who hear. 
If you're going to say something, may it be calculated, may it be beneficial, may it be helpful, may it be good for building up. May those hearing it be better off because of it and not worse off because of it. The New Testament seems to say, the Bible seems to say, that what we think are just words and not really revealing of who we are, are actually way more than words and totally revealing of who we are. Maybe you remember in the Ten Commandments. By the third commandment, God was already to our mouths. The first commandment, no other gods. The second commandment, no false idols that you would bow down and worship them. The third commandment, don't you dare use God's name wrongly. No GDs. No Jesus Christ's flippingly. We must be careful with how our lips talk. Or what about when Paul would write to the young preacher, Timothy and Titus? He talks to them. In Titus chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says to young Titus, have sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Titus, make sure your speech does not condemn you. Make sure when people hear you talk, they know that God is glorious. Or perhaps you've heard of James chapter 3, where he really elaborates on this. You don't have to turn there. If you're taking notes, write this down. But please listen. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put, mitts into the, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue is a huge factor in your relationship with God. It goes on, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Listen to this. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. I already mentioned that. Only God can. But God certainly can tame your tongue. That's why it's problematic in the life of a Christian when their tongue is not tamed. And that's why Ephesians is directing, or directing us to this. He says it is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. Listen to this. James chapter 3 verse 9. With our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond Yield fresh water. We're talking about two different things. 
James says. We're talking about something very seriousness, very serious. It is a world of unrighteousness. It's a problem. It can bring so much damage, and there are two different things. There is a mouth that speaks to worshiping God and building up in any scenario that it finds itself, but that comes off a heart from God, and then there is the other mouth that does not care. There is filthiness. There is foolishness. There is crude joking, and the reason why is because The heart is not set on God. You have the Apostle Paul. You have the Old Testament. You have letters to churches. You have letters to young men. You have uh, have James. You have the New Testament throughout telling us about our tongues. You have the Ten Commandments. But perhaps one of the clearest teachings on this would come from our Lord Jesus himself. When Jesus finds himself in a conversation with a very religious people, a church-going people, if you will, not exactly that, but you know what I mean, the Pharisees, very much so in worship, reading the Bible, claiming to be the people of God, and Jesus will have none of it. He is telling them, you do not know God. This is in John chapter 8, verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if You were Abraham's children. You would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. All right, so he just said, Abraham's not your father. But you do work like your father, which raises the question, well, who are you saying our father is? Verse 41 You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality, and we only have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now listen to this, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. That is Jesus Christ telling people, religious people, you're not God's children, the devil is your father. Now, why does he say that? Well, first of all, they don't love Jesus, he already said that, but watch what gives it away. Your will is to do your father's desires. Remember, their father's the devil, and he says y'all are like your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies. Look what Jesus is getting to. The mouth. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Not his mouth is ugly. Not his words are ugly. His soul. His soul. He lies. He speaks out of his own character. He is a liar, the father of lies. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus says to them, the devil is a liar. He's always lying to us. He's trying to get you to be more prideful than you should be. He's trying to get you more self-centered than you should be. He's trying to make you happy where you shouldn't be happy. He's trying to make you unhappy where you should be content. He's trying to ruin you, and he will tell you anything he can to get you to believe that. That's what the devil's like, because ultimately, he wants you to be not about God, and God is where we find peace and joy. God is where we find ourselves. 
There's a very common understanding, misunderstanding among people today that they're going to search in themselves to find themselves. And you'll never get there. You'll just keep searching. You'll circle this and you'll circle that and you'll get all over the place, but you'll just keep searching. But if you will look to God, you will certainly find yourself. But if you do not look to God to find yourself, then you will be dealing with the devil's lies. Jesus points out here, that they lie as well. It is through their mouths that God sees they are identified not with God, although they thought they were. So the conclusion or the, what we can understand from this then is that their mouths were so revealing of their attitude, their heart, their character, to use Jesus' words speaking of the devil, their heart was so revealing of their, uh, their words was so revealing of their heart that Jesus identifies them as children of the devil. There's no way that you are children of God. The Bible wants us to take serious our speech. The Bible wants us to take very serious how we talk. Back to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. Folks, can we all admit here today that we need to repent of this? The way I speak to my wife, the way I speak to my children, the way I speak when I'm out, it needs to be in line with what God would have for us. It needs to be in line with a heart that rests and delights in God's love. We need to confess this sin to God. We need to hear that Paul writes to the church, that does not belong, it's out of place. Have you ever heard somebody say, you're going to talk like that inside the church building? You ever heard somebody say that? You ever heard somebody say, I can't talk like that inside of here. You're going to church, you're going to curse in the house of God. We've all heard somebody say that, right? Surely you know. God doesn't live in this building. That entire comment has zero value to it. It's as empty as empty can be. Do you know where God lives? If a tornado comes through tonight and wipes out this building, the church will still be here. He doesn't live in this place. Do you know where he lives? In his people. A clear sign that you're not understanding God is when you're worried about how your speech is in this building as opposed to that building. A clear sign that you're focused on God is when you're worried about those words coming out of this building that building he doesn't live here come up here tomorrow about noon it'll be boring and dull and dead and quiet and creepy and everything in here 24 7 in your heart and mind for those that believe Jesus is there 
He's with you. Dealing with your hearts, convicting you of your sins, pushing you towards repentance and trust and faith, strengthening you to hold on, to not give up, letting you know how much he loves you, reminding you that he forgives, that he forgives, that he forgives. Speech that does not honor and worship God our Father has no place with us. Quote Ephesians 5.4. So what does? What can replace it? Well, he tells that. Look to 5.4. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let there be thanksgiving. This, as I said in the opening, is a theme throughout Scripture time and time again. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We read it in the Psalms all over the place. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Be thankful always in all circumstances. We could go on and on and on with verses in the Bible that teach us to be thankful. There is to be thanksgiving. But as I said at the beginning, as you're trying to teach a child to say, thank you, God is not meaning for us to just attach onto us lip service of thank you to God every time we can. But rather, God wants us to have thankful hearts where what flows out of us are not the the crudeness and the joking and the foolishness and the filthiness, but what flows out of us is thanksgiving, that we are a thankful people. And so whether it's this or whether it's that, whether it's big or whether it's small, to be quite honest, whether it's really even all that great, we are thankful. We are thankful. My children go to Fairdale Elementary right over here, and there's a, there's a group there called All Pro Dad that we've gotten involved with, and it's really just an emphasis on trying to be a stronger family, and dads come and be with their kids, and they only meet once a month. And this month, the theme was thankfulness. Of course, it's November, so that's fitting. And there's always a little video that All Pro Dad shows. The video this month that all the kids saw was of this man that you may have known of or heard of, he's still living, who was born without arms or legs. You ever seen this guy? No arms or no legs. He's made a living off of being thankful. He wrote a book called Life Without Limits. And as he sat there, the kids saw it. He's sitting there, dressed nice, looks great, no arms and no legs, just this. He said, I learned learned early on that if all I'm focused on is what I don't have, I'm not very thankful. But when I started focusing on all that I do have, Love, family, health, and a mind. And he went on and on. He said, I'm so thankful. Does Jesus love you? Are your sins forgiven? Is he for you all day long? 
Can you turn to him at any moment? Does he have your back? Is he your foundation? Has he cleansed your conscience? Is there peace inside of you? Is there a renewing strength about you? Is God your father in heaven? Is Christ your Lord forever? Is your place secure in heaven? Because Jesus Christ went to the cross, hung and bled and died, took the punishment, took the wrath, suffered, took on our sin, died, buried in the grave, rose again for you so that Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Is that not enough for you to have thanksgiving? Are you thankful? I can understand being ungrateful if you are not focused on the things that you're grateful for. For life is hard and life is up and down. And all of us have some things that we could complain about if we really, really wanted to, right? If we wanted to go down that road, of course we could, Life is challenging at times. People are mean. Life hurts, right? But the Bible wants us to understand, duh, to that. Everybody knows that. But for those who have come to know God, who have turned away from their life going in that direction, the direction that everybody's life is going, which often is marked by complaining or lying or dishonesty or ungratefulness or crude talking or whatever. But when we have turned away from our sinful lives and set our eyes on Jesus who loves us, died on the cross for us, lives now, reigns, is in heaven, waiting for us, taking care of us, praying for us. When we come to look to Jesus, of course there is a whole world of ugly, lying, dishonest, honest, crude, joking, cursing, all of that could be there, but we have found in God thankfulness for all that we do have. And inside the body of Christ, of course, these people may have a little bit more here, and these people may have a little bit more here, and these people may have a little bit more here. All of our lives are a little bit different, but so much better than anything they've got over here, all of us have eternal life with a Father in heaven that loves us. Every one of us has the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior of sinners, a life-giving, soul-changing, peaceful Savior in our lives if we will look to him. And the Bible says that makes you thankful. So instead of all of those other things, let there be thanksgiving. Look at verse 20 of chapter 5. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a theme throughout the Bible. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. If the calling is for us because of the way God has saved us, is to live like God, if we are to be imitating God, then we are to talk the way God would talk. And anything in our lives that is not an imitation of God does not belong there. It is out of place. This past week, They had Thanksgiving lunch over to elementary school and families can go if you want to. This is a true story. We went over there to have lunch with them and I sat down with JJ to have lunch. And you know, it's kind of awkward doing that, to be honest. 
because there are so many kids who don't have family come, right? And it's a real issue that we should be concerned about, that if we're always there and involved, it certainly may be good for our kids, but it highlights those that don't, right? And so there's some wisdom there of how much you want to be involved. I sat down and I was there to have lunch with JJ, but for some reason he was about three or four seats away. And a bunch of other boys came and just gathered around us. And a boy who was not the same as us sat down right in front of me. He didn't say a word to me, and then he said this. JJ loves having you as a dad. That was the first thing he said to me. JJ didn't hear him. I said, how do you know that? Listen to me. He said, this is the truthful story. He said, he talks about you. I love having God as my Father in heaven. I love having Jesus as a patient, forgiving Savior to a struggling man like me. God is good to us. He loves us. And because of that, we are to be thankful. God is not the problem. We are. And if you know that, turn to him. Let those things be repented of. Give those over to God. Change Ask God for help and replace it with thanksgiving. May God raise up in Fairdale, in your family, around us, thankful people. And perhaps may it be most evident through the way we speak. Let's pray. Father in heaven, forgive us for our speech if it is not honoring you. God, thank you that Jesus died for all the bad words or crude, arrogant things I've said. And thank you that there is forgiveness. May we turn to you. And Father, work in our hearts thankfulness. Thanksgiving week, may the Christian people be thankful. God, but may it not be that we learn to say thank you. May it be our hearts feel that. God, we ask for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here.